This is the Better Workplaces, Better World podcast, where important topics for today's workplaces are discussed. Brought to you by Workforce Readiness Arizona Sure. Here's your host, Sherry Smith. Hello. On today's episode, we are speaking with Lauren Epstein, who will be discussing unconscious bias, what it is, how to recognize it in ourselves, and how to be aware of it so that we can minimize it. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. We're excited to have you. And you're going to be talking about unconscious bias. Lauren, what is unconscious bias and why is it important for us in the workplace to know about, especially for people in people management roles, those that are leading others? Excellent question. So unconscious bias in the context that I talk about is um, it's a function of our brain. So what happens is that, uh, as an example, you're experiencing something that reminds you of something from your past. That past comes forward and it masks what you're actually seeing. So an example of that is that if you're walking down the street and you see somebody that looks familiar, right? That is what would be your your amygdala pulling the image from your hippocampus, bringing it forward. So unconscious bias is when you're influenced by something that occurred in your past. Now, it could be a good thing or a bad thing. So if you're driving down the road and you turn to the left, turn to the right, because something's happening, you don't know what it is, but there's some emergency, that's kind of the same part of your brain that impacts unconscious bias. And in that way, that fast thinking, very good. But if you're making a decision about hiring or firing or giving a promotion or giving a really great assignment to someone, that fast thinking, mm-hmm. that's not good. So what we want to do is in, in unconscious bias is take shift the, the energy from the amygdala and hippocampus of our brain to the prefrontal cortex. And what's really cool, Sherry, you can't have both of these parts of the brains operating at the same time. But you can shift yourself into using your prefrontal cortex. And we do we talk about a whole bunch of things in the, the workshops that uh, I do. One of the simple things is to slow deep breathing, right? What's going on there in in uh, in unconscious bias is that you don't have enough time and you don't have enough information. So the more you can create greater time, more information, you'll have better choices. And this is really about decision-making. So yes. I acknowledge racism exists, sexism ex- exists, absolutely exists. In my workshops and the work that I do is about how can we get people to make better decisions? And Often, a lot of the decisions we make unintentionally cause harm. I know I've done that. Oh, definitely. Um, I train a lot on on emotional intelligence, which is where neuroscientists will say, especially with today's research, we used to think a lot came from the subconscious, only like 60%. Now they're saying it's it could be 90% or more. Um, would you agree with that? And, and do you have any stories about us drawing from our unconscious bias that affects us in a negative way if we do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, and I'm glad you talked about neuroscience. So in the last 20 years, uh, in just the last 20 years, yeah. research has been able to look at uh, the human brain while it's functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, so Daniel Kahneman wrote a book, Thinking Fast and Slow, and a lot of his work is um, they used what's called the Functional Magnetic Resonance Imaging Scanner, like an MRI, but it allows you to actually talk to somebody and you can see where the parts of the brain are getting activated. Um, I can actually tell you a, a, a good story. So one of my biases, and I teach people how to unpack their biases, but a bias I had for my entire life 
was towards chocolate. And I didn't know that it was a bias. I just thought, I believed with my whole heart that chocolate was the best. I know a lot of people listening be like, well, yes, it is. Yes, yeah, of course. And, right, but it was such a bias. And I say this as a metaphor. It's a metaphor. But I say this as a metaphor because I wouldn't try anything else. And when I kind of thought about it, where it came from, the story was that my mother uh, took me and my grandfather. My grandfather was living with us in Brooklyn. And we walked to the grocery store and we got to the grocery store. They were selling loose candy. And I was little, two years old. And my grandfather took a Hershey's Kiss, unwrapped it and popped it in my mouth. And I just started to hyperventilate. I got so excited. (laughs) The sugar, the caffeine, the theobromine and the chocolate got me super excited. And in that moment, I was imprinted and I knew I was imprinted because when we went home in Brooklyn, all the houses have garages and one of the garages was painted brown. What do you think I did when I saw the brown garage door? You went to lick it. That's exactly what I did. (laughs) I went up to that dirty, stinky Brooklyn garage door and I licked it and it tasted like a dirty, stinky Brooklyn garage door. (laughs) But for my whole life, I was just into chocolate. And about maybe five years ago, my mother-in-law, who I absolutely love, who knew that I was just a chocolate person, were having ice cream. She said, Lauren, you need to try this flavor. And it was some vanilla flavor. And I love my mother-in-law. I said, yes, I tried it. It was delicious. And in that moment, I then shifted my entire worldview about, hey, I can be open to other flavors. And since then, I I eat other flavors besides chocolate. So that's a way of like, how can we how can we unpack the things that come from our past? And that could easily be a negative thing, right? I could have told you about something that, that had caused me harm or that mm-hmm. in my life caused other people real harm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to give you one that was just kind of like a little more fun, but it's still the same thing that when we can unpack those things, we can see what actually occurred. Right. Well, that's an excellent story. I do a lot of uh, workforce development training for AC Sherm as part of my volunteer work. And uh, there are so many barriers to entry with, uh, persons with disabilities, people with criminal um, background, we call them justice-involved individuals and and the like, and aging workforce and all of that. And I do a lot of training with my personal stuff on how to mitigate those unconscious biases or become aware of them because it can create even a further barrier to entry. So as a people manager, it is very important to know something like this. And I do understand that you offer surveys and extensive training on that. This is amazing. Do you want to share more on some of the stuff that your uh, company does? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So um, that's a great example because I'm a big uh, proponent of getting um, formerly uh, offenders back into, formerly incarcerated back into the workforce, Mm. right? We are in a labor shortage. Everyone knows it. We're not making more people. And there's all these people who we could be putting to work in in really good jobs. So um, so I applaud you for doing that. That's that's fantastic. So one of the things that we do is is use uh, scorecards. So we help our clients create scorecards that actually when we do it, it reframes their entire job descriptions. We, we really talk about competencies and we create questions on the scorecards that everyone in the, the stakeholder team will agree to. And everyone in that stakeholder uh, holder team will agree to what are the answers that deserve a five or a four or a one. And then the interviewers go into the interview and they have questions and they know what a one, two, three, four, five is. And when you have two or three or four people asking a candidate these similar questions, you mitigate a lot of bias. Another thing that we do is we uh, we teach people how to experience do experiential interviewing. Mm. 
Mm. So when when a sports team hires a player, they don't sit down and talk with them. They look at their numbers. They have them try out. So we can do the same thing for employees at any job. Any job, we can create a way for them to demonstrate their ability. And you can score that as well. Now, it's not the only thing you hire on, just like a scorecard would not be the only thing you hire on. But like I said earlier, we need more data and more time to make the best decision. So those are a couple of things that we do. And then the Uncovering Unconscious Bias Workshop, which really kind of gives people an experience of their own bias. And we get into some of the tools on how they can mitigate it. Some of them are a little more extensive uh, and some of them are really simple, like everyday things. I bet you get a lot of people who have that aha moment, like, oh, wow, I did not realize I was doing that. I And I want to bring this up because there was a, a person who was the VP of DEIA. Um, so most of us that, you know, no, or don't know, but it's diversity, inclusion, I mean, equity and inclusion, right? And access. And she was on the plane and she heard the announcement go off where they said, oh, our captain is not going to be um, flying us today. It's going to be someone else. So we're waiting for them. And they announced a female. And immediately she was like, oh my gosh, we're going to crash. And then she realized her unconscious bias. And like you had said in a video that I watched, we all have unconscious biases, whether we realize them or not. It's not always a bad Thing, you know, but but we do have to realize that we have them for sure. I mean, it can't be a bad thing, but, you know, it's it, it, she just realized, wow, you know, I just thought because it's a female and I'm a female, you know, she's saying they're not going to fly the plane as well. So that was a really aha moment for her. Do you have any <laughs> stories like that when you're working with people in these workshops? Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. I, it's amazing to me what people have been by, like what where the biases. So I have people go kind of back in their history to when they were young. And uh, one that was kind of interesting was that a, a, a woman when she was little, under 10, maybe nine, uh, went to her teacher with her mother. And the teacher said something like, oh, you know, she's not going to do well unless she gets a lot of education. Something very innocuous. Mm. And lo and behold, she has three master's degrees. Like yeah. she could point to like, I have three master's degrees because of that. Like yeah. it was a direct correlation. Like she saw how that connected. And that was fascinating. Like getting a master's degree is very expensive. It takes a lot of time. And so it's, it's interesting when we see how it is that we live, how that's influenced. And, and primarily it's because we're human beings, we're animals, right? And when we were imprinted as young people, it was because that was part of staying alive. You know, most of our brain is also wired to um, keep us safe, right? So it's looking for fear, right? It's not looking to make the best choices. It's looking for fear. So that that is uh, you know a big part of it, and to have empathy for each other, like we all have this, you know, right. and it's 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 really look. I'm not going to deny there are people who are are mean and unkind, but a lot of it, I think most of it, is just people not being aware, people being in a bad mood. I mean, you know, there's a bit of bias around people not having college degrees, but you think about what it takes to get a college degree. It requires money, and most people don't have money to go to college. doesn't mean they're not smart or they can't do the right. job. I agree. Just yeah. don't have that money. And so that, that those kinds of things, you know, we really need to have empathy for because it's not their fault. Like they didn't choose to be born poor. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm going to be um, interviewing someone that talks about access to the workplace with, without a degree. So degreed versus non-degreed. And that's something that workforce development uh, with AZ Sherman is working on as well. That's another subcategory. It's like, look, 
you you can tap into this talent. Uh, do you really need to have that person to have a degree for this level of position or whatever? And really looking at talent for what they can contribute, some quantifiable, measurable accomplishments that they've had is more evidence than just the degree, right? And I, I have a master's degree, but I'm not saying that, you know, I, it, I, I find value in that as well. But like you said, there's a lot of that unconscious bias that I've worked with in my work, CEOs who, nope, they've got to have a deed for an entry level position. And, and I, I'm like, look, you're already struggling with getting people, like you were saying, the war on talent and, and, and skilled individuals. So it's not just getting warm bodies in that we're looking for in HR. It's also getting individuals who have that skill. Do they have that skill? Doesn't matter whether they have a tattoo on their hand or a degree, you know, uh, really evaluating that. So how do you give somebody some steps to really start accessing that internal dialogue with themselves to say, wow, this might be a bias that I have that I'm not aware of or where I am, I am aware of. What do I do with that? Really simple. Take your job descriptions, go to the people that are currently doing that and see if there's a fit and ask them, what do you use in your degree in your job? Mm -hmm. And ask them, well, does somebody need five years of experience or seven years of experience to do this job? What do they really need? What are they creating? What are they actually creating? Yeah. If I was going to hire a baker and I needed that person to bake a hundred loaves of bread by 8 a.m. That's the job description. You will bake a hundred loaves of bread by 8 a.m. And most jobs have a, something that you produce, that you make, that you do. And uh, and that that really is the main part of the job description. Yes, looking and matching those skills. I agree. This is great, great stuff. Um, is there anything else that you want to expand on or share with our audience today as far as unconscious bias? Any any tips for us before we conclude? Yeah. So the more that we uh the more that we take unconscious bias into the consciousness, the more it'll go away, the more it will not hold us. Right. So do you want to be living with those biases holding you back? I don't think so. So make them conscious by talking about them, writing about them, learning about them. There's a lot of avenues to kind of increase your awareness, your level of awareness about all these things. And, and I think that's the best that we can do. That's the best that we can hope for. We're never going to get rid of it, but we can definitely do better. The other thing, and I'm, I'm so glad you had me on your show is, um, I'm doing a global bias impact study. So uh, um, I guess maybe we can make the, the link available with the QR code. Definitely. We're collecting stories from around the world on people who have had successful implementations of pro programs to increase diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're going to take those stories and, and put them back to the community to get voted on. We're also asking people about the impact in their workplace. And uh, we've had actually a couple of our clients say, can we just do this for our organization, which we've done, but I, which is exciting. You know, I mean, it's, it's really exciting when we can take survey data and actually make it actionable, right? That it's not just a number sitting someplace. Um, I did this report in 2021 and it was great. And I'm, I'm so excited about this one because we're, we're going to do it, do something with it that can help people. Well, that's great. Yes, we will link up the QR code. It's a great, great topic. And I think your topic is not just crucial for people in the workplace, but just in general. Because like you mentioned, I love the story you mentioned earlier about our own biases against ourselves. I have many stories of people that I've 
um, worked with and, and coached in the workplace where, you know, like one lady, for instance, she didn't feel like she deserved asking for a raise. And when we unpacked it, went all the way back to when she was nine and they said, well, you know, she was told, you know, good girls don't ask for anything. They're happy with what they get. Right. So, yeah, wow. she developed wow. that story and became like, you know, so we worked on getting her <laughs> better and into a better position and mindset from. And so it can affect your own life, you know, and your career work life. Right. So great, important topic for us to be aware of. So I'm glad about um, happy about all the work that you're doing and keep up um, marching on and championing that for us. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Better Places, Better World podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, follow us on iTunes and find free resources at azshrm.com. That's azshrm.com. Until next time.